Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled Dangerous Liaisons. But since we have no news this week, let's just get right into it. So here is the official description. Uh, quote, on the eve of the worldwide launch of Andrea Rojas's VR contact lenses, Carr and William team up on an investigation that, that exposes a terrorist plot. Kelly and Alex celebrate an anniversary, but Alex's safety is in jeopardy, unquote. Uh, so this episode was all about Andrea Rojas's big launch of her project called Collective Dreams. So, Morgan, what did you think about the culmination of this VR technology that she's been working on? It's a, a global sensation. Uh, I think it only had 9 million subscribers, which seemed a little low to me. Uh, I, I, I know YouTube channels that have almost that many subscribers. <laughs> and they made a big deal out of it. They're like, it's, it's, it's bigger than the population of some, of some countries. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't make it like, like internet big. <laughs> <laughs> there are some small countries, guys. <laughs> I thought it was a really small number. Uh, but what, what did you think about this, this launch of her project and, and what that means for the universe of Supergirl. I had a lot of questions about a lot of this launch. <laughs> like, first off, why was William a journalist at her, at, at CatCo, whatever CatCo is now? <laughs> uh, why was he telling her the subscriber number? Like, where where was he getting that data? Like, what was he looking at? Like, why should he have access to any kind of, like, back-end data on the <laughs> subscribers of this, like, of this VR? I just, I, I was confused by that. I was like, I get the idea, like, Andrea Rojas is, you know, is, is evil, and she's mixing, and she's creating advertorials all day. And, like, I, I listen... <laughs> Somebody who works in marketing, advertisers are evil, and I've had to write them. Uh, I'm on, I'm on board, Supergirl writers. I hate them too. But like, I just, I kind of, I think it fell apart when it was, when it was also like, you got make sure that you do all this stuff for the launch of the VR, and I'm like, yeah, you have a marketing team and your actual company that's going to do that. Why is Cat? Why is Catco doing that? I can see creating buzz for it. Like she's evil and she's, you know, using her Catco for nefarious reasons. But like, 
you wouldn't use them to be like the, do the actual like marketing of your actual product. Like you you're gonna want them to cover the product as if it's a big deal, uh, and they're being impartial, not like okay, we got a n- new subscriber. That is a good point because it would either, I guess, be the marketing people or even like IT people who maybe would be doing that. It, it does seem strange that a reporter would have that information. Yeah, she's she's like William. What's the number? And and the answer should have been like, I don't know. Go talk to the other people <laughs> who were in charge of doing this. But he was like nine million, miss. <laughs> yeah, that was a little strange. Um, so weird. I did like the opening sequence with Andrea telling people about the launch, and I liked the way it was shot, and it had sort of a dreamy look to it. But it was really funny to me. Every time they would cut to somebody who was, uh, when they were showing them experiencing the VR, but not in the VR, do you know what I mean? Like, when Andrea was welcoming people in, and then they would cut back to her in her office talking to no one, that (laughs) made me laugh a lot. So I enjoy that. Yeah, I also had my other big problem was that if you knew, listen, I I buy that, like, people are like, VR, awesome, I can't wait. And, like, let's say, like, it's all, I just want to say it's all nice fields now, but it's going to get weird in that VR it's going to get weird. <laughs> There's going to be stuff happening in that VR you did not expect to happen. It's not all going to be like running through a field of wheat, Andrea. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but like if you knew, you're excited about this VR launch, you're the place that you're going to go to experience it is probably not walking around. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of dum-dums putting it on while they walk around it's not going to be the majority of people the majority of people are going to be like yay i finally got home so i can check out this launch not like i'm going to put on my vr lenses and then walk into the ocean (laughs) like i don't (laughs) when they're trying to save people they're just like pushing people aside as they like wander around with the vr goggles like it's beautiful wheat (laughs) like i don't (laughs) It really bothered me. I was like, that's not how anyone would do it. Like, I just, yes, okay, there's always going to be a couple people, (laughs) granted, but it's not going to be the majority. And also, I I was like, Kelly, really? I guess I'm a little (laughs) confused as to what the purpose of Collective Dream is. So is everyone, are these 9 million subscribers all seeing the same thing? It did seem that way. But th- but then at one point, William had a-, a scenario where he, was he just dreaming when he was about to expose Andrea? Or was he experiencing a VR scenario? It almost seemed like he was like do- pulling like a Lena Luthor, where he was using the VR to like work off some steam. Right. Uh, which, by the way, William... This is how it starts. And before you know it, you have a Martian trapped in a little glass room. <laughs> and your best friend, your best friend is a robot. So I'm just saying it's a slippery slope, William, a slippery slope. But no, it, it did seem to me like he was like running a simulation because you see him very specifically take off like the VR goggles. And he's like, no, everything's going great, um, which I thought 
also, okay, I guess I'm jumping around here, but um, William and Cara really bothered me in this one. Okay. Maybe we want to talk about this one later. Sure. No, uh, while we're here, let's, uh, let's talk about William and Cara. Your thoughts. Well, I can't deal with how sloppy they are and how bad they are at hiding, like, what they're doing. <laughs> because, because, okay, he's literally, like, put aside that he is looking at the picture on his phone, basically flashing it in Andrea's face, like... No, no, not this. Don't look at this. But he was like, go- he was Googling things on his work computer, which he works at a, uh, he works at Catco, which is owned by uh, a woman who owns a technology company, mm-hmm. which is right downstairs. You don't think that there's some sort of like monitoring on that computer where she's like, oh, hey, looks like he's looking up my ex-boyfriend who's a, um, who's. Uh, the forearm dude again like it's just it was just I was like they decide to have this the top secret conversation about how Andrea is evil in the coffee shop downstairs (laughs) (laughs) so I, I will I will defend William in the sense that I don't think he's very smart uh, because Kara was Kara was the one, and I say defend because I'm trying to justify why he would have made these dumb decisions. Uh, Kara was the one who suggested to him, "You think you can just hack a password on her computer? She runs a tech company, um, and so he did have problems trying to get access into her laptop. That's why Kara had to go." fishing around in the walls to see what else they might be able to use. So I don't think he was really thinking about that stuff. Kara was, but I don't think he was. So uh, I'm just going to assume that he is not very good at this kind of thing. Although he did have that friend, I guess, who's in MI8, so he had some technology. But yeah, they they were not very subtle about some of the things they were doing. And I was really confused about Kara breaking into her office and she said she messed with the the monitors or something. I don't know. That just yeah. didn't, that just didn't seem like something that Kara would do. That she would turn off cameras and then turn them back on. Why couldn't she just zoom in there, use her super speed and go out? And be a blur. Nobody would have ever seen her. I don't know. I I think there are some things that they're 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 not showing what she's really capable of doing. And I think it's. I know they're probably not doing it because they probably don't want to do a special effect or something like that. But it just seems a little silly. Yeah, it was just a little strange. I thought. I thought Kara was mostly mostly seemed like she was covering her tracks but William just seemed very sloppy like it's uh, with with the way that he was uh investigating I'm I I became surprised that like it took Cara four whole episodes to figure it out <laughs> like he's just he's just like openly google searching like Andrea Rojas evil question mark basically on his computer (laughs) maybe he was so emotionally invested in what was happening that he was not thinking things through like he goes to the the DEO with Carr and he loses it during the interrogation because he has such an emotional investment in uh getting the story and wanting to take Andrea down so I don't know I think I'm trying I'm stretching it a little bit to justify his 
dumbness in this episode. But yeah, it, <laughs> it does seem strange that a, a, apparently a reporter of his caliber, um, that everybody spoke so highly of him at the beginning of the season for him to act like this. Even Kara had to be like, no, 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 we need to step back and make sure we all have our, all of our ducks in a row before we go, you know, stomping into Andrea's office and accusing her of something. <laughs> you know, like, he's he's not really thinking any of the, these things through because he's so um, uh, tied to the outcome of it. And so here's what I started thinking about when I was watching this episode, because I think the story that they've given William is is intriguing. You know, he has this best friend who he thought had died, and then his best friend turned into this villain who is, I'm guessing, a Leviathan agent. Uh, so I think that is really interesting. And I think that the the the, the story is an, a, a neat through line through the character of William Day. But while I was watching it, I thought, you know, this would be so much better if it was a Kara story. And I, I started thinking, why didn't they just give Kara something like this? Where Kara either had a friend who went missing, or Kara had to investigate someone who was doing something. Why is Kara not the person who was going after this? I just, the more I watched this play out this week, the more I realized that Kara was just a supporting character to William Day and his story. And that really frustrates me. Because I think Kara should be the one who is taking the lead on this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think right now I'm, like, very underwhelmed by William. So I didn't really think about, like, how all of this is really his story that she's sort of, like, jumped aboard. But, yeah, like, there are so many ways that they could have played this out where it was... I feel like this happens a lot where Kara just kind of hops onto somebody else's storyline and then she's in it a lot. And so you think, oh, yeah, well, Kara has that storyline until you like really think about it. And then you're like, well, I mean, that was actually somebody else's storyline. I feel like she doesn't get to be the the person who's like, well, I'm going to start investigating because of this reason, because I really care about this thing. It's always like my my friend or my boyfriend or my, you know, or some weird dude I just met at work <laughs> has this has this problem and I'm going to to help. But I don't think that we don't get a lot of Kara like just deciding this is what I'm going to do because I want to do it. Yeah. And I think that they probably went about it this way because they had Andrea Rojas, who was this new character coming in, and they needed uh, another character to tie into her story. So I, I understand the approach there, that they were using William to tie into Andrea's story so that there was some sort of connection as to what was going on there. But I just, it frustrates me a lot because I just kept thinking this would be so much more... Uh, Supergirl centric. If Kara was the one who was uh, given this problem and she had to do something about it, if she, I would be so much more invested in Kara and the season as a whole if Kara had someone who was messed with 
by, by Leviathan. I think that that would have been a really, really cool way to show that Kara has compassion for someone else, that Kara maybe even has a friend outside of the DEO and her circle of friends, maybe somebody she knew in high school, maybe somebody she knew in college. That could be a way to, like, go back to her college days and show us some backstory. But it just, it feels... It feels unfortunate to me that they're not taking this opportunity to, to showcase Kara and telling a Kara story. And this was the first week that I really started to feel like that. And I understand that they're sort of playing up sort of a Lois and Clark uh, sort of scenario with William and Kara. And I don't mind it so much. I just think that the story and the show would be a lot better if they made Kara more of a focal point for the mystery. I mean, if they wanted to have him involved, why didn't they have, why didn't they just flip the shoe on the other foot? Like, why didn't they have Kara be the one who's really like leading the investigation? And William is the one who's like, I want to help out or like, let me do it. And like, let me help. Like I, they could have still gotten the same dynamic that they have now, only it would have been a car-centric story with William, you know, giving the assist. That's an excellent point, and I think that's what they should have done. I think you could still have William Day come in, you could still potentially set up a romance for them, and still maintain that <laughs> this is actually Supergirl's show. This happens to Supergirl a lot on her own show, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, and it's aggravating, uh, because it does seem like it does seem like Kara's there a lot, and she has a lot of wardrobe changes this season. She's wearing a lot of different pretty expensive dresses. Uh, show, <laughs> I think she's starting to show a little more clavicle, which, you know, it just shows how powerful she is. But she is not really carrying the story. And so I that, that to me is... Um, I, I just wish, I wish we could see more of uh, what she's doing. Like, when she went to Mexico City, I was like, yeah, this is the good stuff. And uh, now it's just, she's she's sort of piggybacking on William's story. William's story and his, his friendship with Russell, it was, it was emotionally compelling, but I don't, I don't want to be attached to this new character. I want to be attached to what Kara's doing. Um... Because I'm not watching the show for William Day. I'm watching the show for Cara Danvers. Uh, I know that's selfish. I know that's coming from the the place of me being a Supergirl fan. But that's kind of why I show up to the show. Um, but anyway, so those those are my issues with that. Um, so what do you think about Andrea? Because at the end of the episode, they made it, uh, they made it clear that Andrea and the Rojas's were not responsible for this tidal wave thing that got created. But it's see, and we'll talk about that because I have a lot of questions about that <laughs> that whole situation. Oh, uh, me too. Yeah. So, uh, but before we get to that, so the elderly woman, I guess we can say, uh, from the season four finale who showed up and she talked to Eve Tessmacher about Leviathan, she showed back up in this episode and she happened to somehow be in Andrea Rojas's limo, and Andrea seemed surprised to see her. I don't know if she, if they know each other, if they had had a previous acquaintance, or if this is just a, a shock to Andrea. So I was wondering what you thought about that. I think Andrea knows her, because I think she even mentioned 
um, what was his name? Red. No. Ripper. I, I want to. I almost said Red Rover. <laughs> Send Andrea right over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, Rip Ripper. I think it was. Yes. Which what a name. Um, <laughs> it, I think she. I, I think she mentioned like Ripper. She was like, hey, like something. I I don't remember what exactly she said, but Andrea looked surprised, but also kind of like she knew her. So I get the impression that like Leviathan. This woman's from Leviathan because we've seen her previously talking to uh, Eve. Um, may she rest in peace in Hope's brain, and uh, <laughs> and um, and talking about sort of Leviathan-y things. So I feel like whatever happened with uh, Russell and Andrea has something to do with Leviathan, and I have a feeling that like Leviathan is kind of pulling the strings and. And is kind of maybe even blackmailing Andrea for something. So does this seem similar to what we saw last season with Agent Liberty and like the Mercy Otis Lex stuff where you had Lex pulling the strings but Agent Liberty was the puppet? It feels like the same setup. I could, uh, Yeah, I could see that. I hope we don't see the same thing play out two seasons in a row because that would be really disappointing but it does seem like they might have a connection um i'm it would disappoint me in andrea if andrea was built up as this big bad and then she doesn't end up being anything because i think she she sort of to me she feel she fills that void that mercy may she rest in peace uh um uh hashtag uh too soon uh gone too soon um she was a good foil for Lena. And I think Andrea Rojas was also a setup as a good foil for Lena. And so I think if if they don't have Andrea being somebody who will clash with Lena and she turns out to be a good guy in the end, ugh, that's that's going to seem like a wasted opportunity to me. Not that she has to be mustache twirling evil, but I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a feeling they may turn her into, like, a sympathetic character because she she probably really did love Russell and something happened and he turned into Rip Roar and she didn't want him to be that and she was upset that that happened to him. Like, I have a feeling that she's going to turn out to be a sympathetic character and I kind of don't want that to happen because I, I don't think we've seen the potential of her as a villain yet. But that's just me and my taste. Um, but I think th- I think it does seem like um, she knows something. So I'm intrigued by that. Um, so we did sort of mention previously that there was a geyser that interrupted. Or that No, interrupted is not the right <laughs> word. A geyser erupted. And somehow it created... Uh, a tidal wave that became like a flood and was uh, affecting all of the coastal cities and Supergirl and John Jones who was not a Martian Manhunter because I guess they don't want to deal with the special effects and, no of course not <laughs> uh, and they had really bad uh, wire work in this episode you could tell they were hanging from wires even though you couldn't see them and I was like this is this is not good why is this happening um, so they have to fix a geyser by spinning around 
uh, around the geyser. And then the way they stop the tidal wave is because they send a character out there who has dream powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Rebecca, my question is, what about this isn't clear to you? Because it's <laughs> crystal clear to me. Listen, when I want to stop a geyser, I, um, I crawl into bed, <laughs> and I close my eyes, and then I don't. Uh, so obviously the power of dreams have, has helped me in many different ways and facets of my life. Uh, it's how I get everything done. I just take a nap. <laughs> so yeah, no, I had so many questions. Uh, like, what, what, what are, what are dreamers powers? <laughs> are they, are they anything? Are they everything? I don't, I, I couldn't, couldn't deal with it really. This, this episode, I was like, I don't understand what she can and can't do i was very perplexed by it i i i get that maybe she can shoot beams out of her hand but even that even that was head scratching even that was strange to me and so now they put it a a step further that she can she can part the red sea like moses like she can stop tidal waves she can do anything and she 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 had never done it before she even said something like brainy i hope you're right about this and she (laughs) she did it perfectly right then and that first time she stopped a tidal wave nobody died i i i would buy it a little more if it was part of the vr if it was uh, a dream scenario in the vr maybe but in the real world I had a really hard time buying that. So I'm not really clear on what her power... I guess her powers are whatever they need them to be. It seems like... Well, I mean, I remember last season when, like, her powers started off as being basically, like, dream-related precognition, which I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then, like, two episodes later, she was, like, shooting beams out of her hands. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, how did... How did this happen? When did this happen? Uh, so it seems like just an evolution from there where, like, her powers are whatever they need her powers to be. And it doesn't, like, rhyme or reason or sense doesn't really play into it at all. And the dream precognition stuff is cool. Like, I think that's a neat yeah. power. And it's unique to her. It's something that only she could do. And I think that is something that is a strength for her character. So when she has these these powers that are unexplained and don't make any sense and makes her more powerful than Supergirl, I, I have a really uh, hard time dealing with that because they haven't set up any rules for anything she does. Um, so I, I, I just, that was... That was very strange to me. Although I did laugh a tremendous amount when uh, Dreamer's walking down, I guess, the pier or whatever she, whatever she's on to go out to stop the tidal wave. <laughs> and this this strange woman, like, looks at her and goes, Dreamer! And, like, recognizes her on the street in her costume. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny little moment. Uh, so that was a good bit of comedy, even even amongst the um, the unexplained use of her powers. So I, I did enjoy that bit, but yeah, I I had a really tough time dealing with the plot in this episode. <laughs> it was yeah, uh, it was 
super strange. Let's see, what have we not talked about? So I guess we, we've hit on uh, the Obsidian North technology and how, uh, you know, 9 million people, you know, uh, uh, the population of a, a really popular YouTube channel uh, has <laughs> has this VR technology. We've talked about how Carr and William have investigated Andrea. They kind of came up empty on that. Uh, I also thought it was strange that there was that whole scene. Was was the thing with Brainy? Was that last week? When they no, used, that was this week. When they used the uh, the spider thing. They put the thing? spiders on him. Yeah, that yeah was they this put week? the spiders on his face. So that didn't seem like they that accomplished anything. That scene. They didn't come away with any information out of that scene. And that felt like a waste of a scene to me. Was it just to get Supergirl riled up and get heated about it? I, I didn't understand why that scene even existed. Other than yeah, it to felt give, like that's what it was for. It, it, or just to give Jesse Rath something to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that scene was uh, strange. I, I even got it confused because I was like, wait, was that last week or this week? Um so we talked about that, and but my favorite part of this episode, the I think the really strong bits of this episode were between Lena, Hope, and Malefic. As always. So what are <laughs> the your dream team? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts about uh, what Lena and Hope were experimenting on uh, Malefic? Um. So obviously, uh, this is. This is where we shine in, in this episode. Um, I I I loved the those scenes, especially because I was like, oh my god, Lena is being so like kind of evil right now, and like I couldn't believe that she was agreeing to like let Malefic like essentially kill his brother. But then when I saw him like mind control the the dragon so it was it went from an evil dragon to a really like really cute cuddly dragon now let's let's get it let's get it correct it was a maladorian dendro asp yes the maladorian dendro asp <laughs> uh, i was like well okay i'm not listen i'm not saying that i would start down a dark road to world domination and and you know changing people's minds because I would want more pet options. <laughs> but I'm not saying I that wouldn't be how I started my villain journey. <laughs> when she like picked up the when she like picked up the little creature and he was like, hello. And I was like, okay, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of cute. I, I was like, Lena, you are crossing an ethical oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my question about the Maladorian Dendra Asp. So, uh, Lena says that this creature is a hundred times more aggressive than anything on Earth. And I started to think, well, how did Lena Luther capture it then? <laughs> uh, you know what she did? She was like, Hope, <laughs> I'm going to need you to go grab something for me. And Hope was like, Sure thing. Don't worry. It's only this human body. And somewhere inside, Eve is like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Hope is like, it can bite me wherever. <laughs> I do not care. And then she comes back and she's like, the human has lost a finger. And Eve is inside like, no. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good question. How did how did Lena Luther get this like deadly creature? How did they capture these these alien pets? Uh, I, I had so many questions about how they got control of them because the dendro ass was actually very it was aggressive. Um, so I I thought that that uh, that was an unexplained uh, part of the episode for me. Um, but I did think it was uh, one of my favorite moments. Actually, the the two favorite moments of this episode for me were when uh, two people got incepted. So the first one was <laughs> when Hope was incepted by Malefic. And I thought, that is a really dangerous combination. It was so close to Hope and Malefic braiding each other's hair. It was. Well, you know, what makes it even more complicated is that it was Hope uh malefic and hope and eve it was <laughs> at that point eve is just like a russian nesting dolls of consciousnesses <laughs> that is so true uh but yeah so i thought that was a really deadly combination with hope and malefic uh being part of the same uh person it was very scary and then my second favorite one was when uh, Lena surprised Malefic by incepting him. Uh, that I thought was really, really cool because it showed that she had power over him. So I am very curious as to how this is because this is not going to end well. We all know this. Uh, this is this is you can't you can't deal with these kinds of like wanting to control people's minds and uh, turning on. Uh, a very powerful villain. This is this is not going to end well for anybody. Uh, but I'm very com- I'm very curious as to what is going to happen because now it seems like Lena does have power to control people's minds. So what is she going to do with that? Yeah, and I, I also want to know like now that she can control like Malefic's mind, is she gonna like? First, she already made him uh, more comfortable with his accommodations. She was like, you love it here. He's like, you know what? I love it here. (laughs) (laughs) Is is her next thing going to be like, you want to do some cleaning around the lab? He's like, you know what? Love cleaning. Love this lab. (laughs) Maybe this is this is how we get the hair braiding scene. Because she's going to be like, you want to become best friends with E with with hope. And he'll be like, this is how we became best friends on my planet. <laughs> we braid it. We braid it so many things as Martians. <laughs> we didn't have hair, but we wanted it so desperately. <laughs> she could get Malefic to do anything she wanted him to do. That's a really good point. This whole storyline for with her has gone to very dark places very quickly. Almost too quickly, I think. Uh, and by almost, I mean actually too quickly where it's like i don't quite like she went to a very dark moral place incredibly fast i don't know if if she is completely going into the world domination situation like andrea seems to have done uh although again nine million subscribers is a really popular youtube channel (laughs) so andrea has the ability to control people in a certain aspect with the VR technology that she's developed with Obsidian North. And Lena now has the capability to control people's minds. So there's this... I don't know if they're going to combine them, 
uh, if they if they already haven't haven't already because I know Lena sort of took some obs- some of Obsidian's technology, um, but I just don't know where this is going. Does Lena want to control everyone in the world? Does she want to control uh, all people's minds, or is she just going to uh, uh, try to control a select few people? Uh, I I don't exactly understand what her her end result is uh, for this because it seems that does seem like it's gone a little bit too far if she wants to control the the minds of everyone in the world. Yeah, like I know that like she started out being like listen. I also like when she said to Malefic like listen, we've both been disappointed with like by by people we love and. <laughs> And those are on the exact same level. <laughs> you, you, you were were thrown in in captivity, and, and you're you're uh, erased by uh, erased from existence. Yeah, erased from existence by by your own brother. And I, my best friend, lied to me for a little while, but then she <laughs> did she did tell me the truth. But I am still mad about it. And those two things are equal. If you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Malfec was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, so you mean sh- so she told you?" And she's like, "Shh, let's not focus on that." <laughs> and she was really sorry for not telling you. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not the same thing at all. But uh, I, I am very interested to see where this goes because it just I don't know what Lena's plans are, and I'm very. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just waiting to see where this this ends up. So I'm, I'm very curious. So at least with that aspect of the season, they've got me they've got me hooked uh, because that is that's the mystery that I want to see unfold. Um, so I guess we could since we didn't mention them, I guess we could talk about Alex and Kelly because they had a little uh, storyline here in this episode. And I'll be honest, I'm getting a little frustrated by the season because it seems like everyone like all the storylines are paired up so you've got brainy and nia stories you've got william and Kara stories and then you've got alex and kelly stories and i think some of the individual characters are getting lost a little bit um it it's it's just it's strange to me because uh some characters get storylines so like william has a storyline of his own Kelly has a little bit of a storyline of her own in this episode because she's dealing with seeing Alex get put out there in danger and it's giving her flashbacks of what happened to her fiance who died in the line of duty. Um, So those characters, Jean has a storyline of his own. Lena seems to have a little bit of a storyline of her own. But some of these situations in these, these episodes are characters paired up. And so I'm a little frustrated that it's like, we're not getting an Alex Danvers story. Yeah. So I, I was when I was talking because so Al, everything Alex was mm, was saying and the way that she was approaching the entire episode was like, OK, I want to I want to investigate uh, Andre Rojas, but I don't want to I don't want to bum my girlfriend out. And like that was the whole like, well, I'm so glad I don't have to tell Kelly like she has to like, you know, her job is is different than she wanted it to. It was like, well, this could be like a very big, like a very big deal for, you know, a lot of other people, not just your girlfriend. I mean, I kind of feel like Alex hasn't had 
a good storyline of her own for a very long time. And I, uh, in this episode, I definitely felt it. Like I, I remembered like, when's the last time that Alex had like a really great thing by herself. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't think of it. Yeah, it's so strange to me because the show started as the focal point of Kara and Alex. And I think that's when the show shines the most is when it focuses on the sisters. And I, I hate to be a negative Nancy on it, but it's those are the two characters that I cared the most about on this show. And they oh, yeah. don't they don't get any any story. And they're just kind of supporting characters in some other people's goings-ons. And uh, it's it's good to know more about Kelly. I feel like I like her as a character more because I've gotten to know her. But I want, I want to care about what Alex is doing. Not necessarily what Alex is doing in her relationship. Um, so I'm a little frustrated about that. Because I, I even notice it when I'm... And, and maybe this is, of course, just me and the way I craft my notes. But in the last couple of episodes, when I've done my notes, I had to pair them up because the storylines went together. The characters went together. It was Car and William had all these scenes together this week. Alex and Kelly had all these scenes together. And so it... Uh, I don't know. I'm just I I I just wish that the writers would care more about Car and Alex. I just don't think they do. I think they're interested in telling all these other people's stories. Yeah, I I almost feel like the writers. It's not that they don't care about the characters. It's that they feel like the characters are like well established enough that they have to spend all this time establishing these other characters and like introducing them and giving these other characters a lot of stuff to do instead of like looking at Kara and Alex and. And th- and those two characters as characters that need to continue to grow and evolve and change. Like Alex is Alex the director of the DEO again? They like never got back to that. She kind of got er- uh, she kind of got overruled last season with director Haley or Colonel who, Haley, who, who we have never seen since then. Who we haven't seen again. Uh, uh, R.I.P. I guess. And then <laughs> <laughs> and and now. Haley's gone so that should mean that Alex is back in charge but I don't know because we haven't seen anything that like confirms or denies that we we never got really a storyline of her taking over the DEO and what that meant and what the challenges were for her and how she was adjusting to it we just sort of we she got to be the director of the DEO for like two episodes and then somebody else was in charge and then that person left and I maybe she's in charge now. D- didn't Car didn't Car say her sister worked? Not her sister was the director of in this episode. That, like I yeah, that know. seems right. That does seem right. Yeah, I I'm 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 very conflicted about it because I I I think you make a good point that I think the show probably does see them as established characters that don't need to grow anymore with their own storylines because they're in season five. I guess we know them well enough, but there's still so much more that you could explore with these characters. Yeah. I mean, I I fundamentally disagree. I just think that that's how the the show is like kind of viewing it, which like those are your main characters. Those are your bread and butter characters. Like I come to the show to watch Supergirl 
and to watch Alex because, you know, Alex is Supergirl's, you know, favorite person. And those are the two characters we started out following. And those are the two characters we care the most about. Like, it's great that there's other characters and I like a lot of them, but I, I would like to know more about what's going on with Alex and what's going on with Kara. And like, they don't all have to be relationship storylines either. Yeah. I mean, I liked the stuff with Kelly and I thought it was very nice that they tied everything back into what we learned about Kelly in season four and her past relationship and how that informs her relationship with Alex. That was all, you know, that was nice and fine. Um, I just, I just started to notice that everything that involved Alex this season has revolved around her relationship with Kelly. Um, and I, I guess it's fine, you know, if you want to keep developing that relationship and get it to somewhere. And I guess that's pretty important if you're eventually working towards, I guess at some point down the line for Alex to adopt a kid that seems to be something that they put... When when did they introduce that? Season three? And then it hasn't yeah. been followed up since then? Well, it, no. I guess I guess we got a little <laughs> bit of that that one time in season four when uh, she randomly decided she remembered she wanted to adopt a kid. Um, but I guess if you're going to get Alex to that point, you, you, you might need to put her in a solid relationship so that that... You know, I guess if you wanted to make it more appealing for her to become an adopted parent because I guess when people go through that process, you know, that's one of those things. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. Um, But I guess if you want to get her there, putting her in a a solid, stable relationship makes sense. I just, it, it frustrates me that I don't feel like some of these characters the main characters aren't getting their own storylines and it's it's starting to really bug me. Yeah, I agree. I feel like um as important as the relationship yeah, the relationship stuff is and like I do enjoy watching like that Alex and and Kelly relationship develop because I feel like it's kind of needed because they jumped in so hard last season without us like having any time any build up to it so I do feel like they do have to kind of backtrack now and like be like no this is what their relationship is like but it does feel like every like not every one of Alex's storylines has to be about her personal life we can get some professional life stuff or we could get some you know I I feel like we haven't had those Danvers sisters sitting on the couch scenes in in quite some time yeah I just I don't know I I think there's so much more that you could explore with uh, Cara and Alex that they're just sort of missing out on but uh but I'm not a writer on the show and they're choosing what to do with their stories so uh that's just my feeling on it uh, well, I guess we should get to overall thoughts. So, Morgan, what did you think about Dangerous Liaisons? Uh, I liked this episode. I was confused by a lot of it. <laughs> um, so many of the things that happened seemed like uh, they didn't make a ton of sense. But I did enjoy it while I watched it. So uh, it's got that going for it. I thought this was like a solid episode. It wasn't my favorite, but I didn't think it was like bad uh as always the uh lena hope stuff is uh and the malefic stuff was great um and i thought like the investigation stuff although it was a little bit like 
oh boy, they're not great at investigating uh, in a way in a way that doesn't tip off everybody that they work with that they're investigating. Uh, at least it was nice to see Kara like getting out there and doing like kind of journalisticy investigations. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, and I liked that she and Nia had problems with the stuff that Andrea was making them do. I appreciated that because I'm glad that they didn't just fold over and say, okay, well, I guess we're going to just do this crap that's not really journalism. At least they cared about their jobs and wanted to stand up for the integrity of what they were there to do. So I appreciated that. So I, I do like the uh, that there is uh, that there are moments on the show of investigative reporters, I guess, investigating things. Uh, but some of the stuff, and this is just me from a, a, a stylistic uh, point, and it's starting to uh, really stand out to me in some of these uh, Cara Williams scenes. And I, I watched a video on uh, YouTube called the Marvel Symphonic Universe. And it's something that I've, I guess I've always known in the back of my brain. But until the video pointed it out to me, I didn't really, uh, really zone in on why it sort of bothered me. But uh, basically it made the point that uh, a lot of times composers will write music, like if you're doing a comedic scene, you'll have like uh, bouncy little comedic music in the background. And um, it made the point in the video that you can change the tone of the scene by changing the the music and you can you can make it into a totally different scene. And um, I just have started to notice it with some of the Cara Williams scenes where it's like that this is a really funny scene and you're supposed to be bouncy and light about it. And it just, it's sort of, um, it, it, it seems a little lazy to me. But I think that's the way a lot of these CW shows uh, operate in terms of the music. But I will say that there was something that I thought was really nice and refreshing in terms of artistic value in this episode. There was one shot where Carr and William are standing in front of the, I guess they'll, the monitors showing the countdown to the collective dream launch and it was Carr and William and it was almost not quite full silhouette but it was the two of them standing in front of the launch and it was a big wide shot and I thought that was really nice it was uh sometimes the show looks a little cookie cutter uh, in the way that some of the shots and the scenes are set up but that was actually a really nice shot so that one stood out to me so I thought some of the the camera work and the the way that they did uh, some of the sequences, especially in the beginning with the Collective Dream advertisement. Uh, I, I thought all of that was really well done, but this was not my favorite episode. I thought it was pretty weak story-wise and plot-wise. Uh, the Some of the character stuff was annoying. The dreamer stopping <laughs> the tidal wave with her dreamer powers. Yeah, seriously, what are her dream? I, 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 so I, what I, are her powers? <laughs> so this is probably not an episode I'm going to rewatch a lot. Um, but I, I do think the uh, the Leviathan stuff and the Hope and Lena and Malefic uh, storyline is something that I, I'm, I want to keep watching for. So I guess there is that. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Dangerous Liaisons. Um, our first tweet is from uh, at Electra WWF, who says, looks like Nia has developed 
plot powers. <laughs> Whatever the plot requires her to do, she can do with 100% success rate, even if she's never done it before. Too bad the only thing Dreamer can't do is dream about crisis. <laughs> now, that would actually be good in terms of using her abilities on the show this season. And I think Andy Babak from the Flash podcast and Titans podcast uh, had written in previously uh, for Supergirl Radio about that very scenario. And I think that would actually be a good use of Dreamer's powers. And uh, that has not happened. Surprising. I mean, it doesn't seem like she does much with dreaming anymore. It's mostly just like whatever the plot needs her to do. <laughs> At Zandani said, I have no idea what actually happened in the episode <laughs> as I was distracted by all of Lena's outfits. And and not in a good way. <laughs> uh, at VH451 says, highlights of this episode. Phil Lamar as Malefic so wanted him to break character and speak as Hermes. Uh, Brainy under the influence of the tattoo alien and Nia's quiet moment of kindness with Kelly. Um... At SL Fricky said, truth compelling manacles? Guess the DEO and Cara don't care about Miranda rights. Uh, this Dr. Robo Octopus Ripper makes no sense having that name. Uh, Hope, uh, hijacky of polymorph evildoer. That is our acronym <laughs> of the week. Thank you, SL <laughs> Please. Please continue sending these all season <laughs> um, uh, because we know that hope is going to be with us all, all season, maybe into the future. Maybe hope is with us forever. That's what I hope. Yes. Um, at uh, Fractal Inverter uh, says season one was about Supergirl. Uh, accepting the mantle, stumbling and learning, finding out about her history and dealing with it. Season five is about Jean, Jean's brother, Nia and Brainy, Alex and Kelly, Andrea and William, Lena and Hope. Also, Supergirl was there too. Yeah, uh, that's how I feel about it. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Chase Aphrodite said Lena's collarbones need to come back. Katie <laughs> seems to have lost a bet with the costume folks. Can't they borrow Daenerys's clothes? Lena is already uh, Lena already has the dragons. That's true. That's true. Lena now has a um, a very dragon like um, companion who is uh, super cuddly and 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 cool now. It's friendly. So. <laughs> Maybe she can, maybe she can like work that into her wardrobe. What if she just started wearing it on her shoulder like a parrot? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be. Uh, would that would that say something about her her shoulder powers if she put the 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 alien creature on her shoulders? I think it would. I think it would. <laughs> and this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Patty Mello 20 said, I don't know why I'm so excited that Lena can control minds now, but I am. The problem is that she's the perfect soldier for Leviathan now. Do you think Lena can control Supergirl's mind too? That would make her the most powerful person in the world. Now that is an ethical quandary. What if she was, what if she did control Supergirl? What if she could control Kara? Would she want to make Kara her best friend who did whatever she wanted her to do? Because the whole point mm. of this storyline is that she was mad at Kara for lying to her and betraying her. 
What would she do if she could control Kara's mind? Maybe nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think nothing good, no. Uh, at Sony Rewat uh, 1997 said, I have a couple of questions. One, now that Lena has mind control powers, what are the chances that she would control Kara's mind? So a lot, a lot of our listeners uh, have that question, yeah. Two, what do you think Kara's Pinterest page is like? Ooh, good question. Ooh, I think it has a lot of sensible, uh, like, sheath dresses on it um, <laughs> that are um, between $1,000 and uh, $100,000. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know much about Pinterest. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on Pinterest. But are there, like, I mean, I know there are, like, people have, like, smoothie recipes and things like that. Are, are there a lot of food recipes? Because Kara's really big there into... There are a lot of food recipes. Kara's into news. food. So I, I think Kara's Pinterest page would have a lot of food items on it. I think it's all um, like sensible business clothing that's several thousand dollars and um, and and Pot like stoners. donut recipes. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe some posters from like old movies. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> Um, three, how many DEO agents actually know that Car is Supergirl in this season? Listen, I, what my theory, my personal theory is that they went back to, they went back on oldie, but a goodie to like season, like one or season two, uh, where everybody knew her identity. Last season, it was a whole big thing. Nobody could know our identity. They wiped it. They wiped it from the minds. This season, she's probably just wandering around, like just yelling, I'm Cara Danvers <laughs> in her super outfit <laughs> because she can is the thing <laughs> um at picks by katie mcgee said cara clavicles lena leopard print and i said <laughs> it like that because there was that many exclamation points <laughs> yeah lena did have a little bit of leopard print on in this in this episode she did leopard print is very of the moment but it was a little bit of a strange lena luther look i will say <laughs> i was surprised i was like okay that's how you know she listen she put on the leopard print because she was like i'm going to be dealing with dangerous animals <laughs> and i want them to feel at home with me i too <laughs> am a dangerous animal <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man uh man about a girl said alex seemed really subdued that uh, alex seems really subdued this season and not the badass of the past i'm not liking how they're writing car either season five should be it everyone seems done with it oh uh at tone underscore ring said one lena's now a boss in all kinds of ways uh two how do nia's powers work could they possibly stop a? how could they possibly stop a tidal wave even nia didn't think they could <laughs> three brainy under the influence of the spider was really good acting and really well shot i will say jesse rast did, did a, a great and job he did he 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 was uh you know what i feel like they last season when he had to go through cycle through all those different brainiac versions they were like ooh. We just found something like, you know, we just found something that Jesse Rath can do really well. And uh, and now they're like, let's go back to that well. <laughs> and I think he did a great job. Um, at Mark HBPW, a shot of Alex's apartment building before. Does anyone know what real world building it is? Was that the same tidal wave effect the Flash used in season one? Why was everyone angry and shouting? <laughs> <laughs> so that the, the, the scenes with... 
Alex and Kelly in the apartment? That's a good question. I don't know. I I guess we can we can just say that there were parts of the apartment we hadn't seen before, and so they're showing us new uh, places of the apartment. Um, so I, I can I can go with that. Um, does anyone know what real world building it was? That I don't I don't that I don't know. Um. The tidal wave effect, I mean, it possibly could have been reused because that did happen on The Flash where he he had to stop a tidal wave one time. Oh, I, I think it made a little more sense on The Flash. Uh, but <laughs> that, uh, that I mean, they I think all of the special effects are done by the same people, maybe? So it's possible. Well, uh, we got an email from New Rachel who asks, uh, quote, Since Malefic is sleeping in Lena's prison cell now, where is Hope sleeping? Is she sleeping under one of Lena's desks? Also, who else sleeps under desks? William? Brainy? Andrea? Unquote. Uh, so, Morgan, do you think that Hope is sleeping under one of the uh, desks in Lena's lab? You know, I hadn't considered it, but now I really hope so. <laughs> because what if we could just continue this joke with Hope? Um, in, inarguably the best character of this season. Where yes. it's like, Lena, Lena comes in, she's like... Hope, where are you? And she's like looking at this empty bed and Hope just pops up from beneath a desk and she says, I was sleeping. <laughs> I live here now. It is so dark and warm. <laughs> and Lena's like, oh no, not again. I dated someone just like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, maybe maybe Hope is experimenting on, you know, trying to figure out the ways that humans sleep because that would be i would imagine pretty new to her because hope as a as a tabletop robot would not have had to sleep i imagine no so she probably has to figure out now how this sleeping thing works and maybe she goes online and looks up uh sleeping you know how how do you sleep in a lab because I don't guess she's going home with Lena at night. <laughs> so I guess she is sleeping in the, in the lab. And maybe she uh, does a Google search and she finds those d- real desk beds that we found. Or at least a listener sent in to us. Uh, she, she could to- <laughs> she could totally uh, sleep in a desk bed. Maybe she finds like she's searching. She's like searching the internet like what where should, should i sleep like and she comes she stumbles across an app uh, an article by none other than james olsen <laughs> and it's like beds are overrated here's why you should sleep here's here's 10 reasons why you should sleep under your desk because it's a listicle because that's what james is into and she's like this seems right this feels correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing in Calvin Town now. He's just making listicles about why desk beds are the best. <laughs> he's cha- listen. He's changing that little town one one at a time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, Alex wrote in saying, Carr's willingness to bring strangers into the DEO never ceases to amaze me. Last week, she thought William was a guy at work that she hated and thought could be part of some massive criminal conspiracy. (laughs) A matter of hours later, she brings him into the DEO and introduces him to her sister Alex as the head of a super secret government agency and included him in the interrogation of a captured alien. (laughs) That's when you put it, when you put it that way. 
uh, that does seem uh, a little reckless. Very quick about face on that one. (laughs) Well, uh, Daryl writes, quote, I didn't understand why Carl was getting so emotionally invested in this week's case. It's affecting William more than anything, yet Carl is acting like all of this is a personal attack on her as well, unquote. Um, yeah, I can understand that, Daryl. I actually liked that Kara cared about someone else, that she, uh, cared that someone had hurt his best friend or, uh, had possibly killed his best friend. And then when she found out that Russell was Rip Roar, I think she felt that, uh, that weight of that just as much as William did. And, and so I like getting to see that compassionate side of Kara come out because that, I think that's a, that's a big part of her character. Um, but it goes back to that thing where I, I think it would be a much stronger storyline if it actually was Kara going through this stuff. Uh, so at least if I can't see Kara dealing with these these kinds of things, at least I can see her reacting to someone else's pain and sadness. So I guess I don't mind it as much. Well, uh, let's get into some voicemails. SGR, what's going on? Uh, it's me, your boy, Lito Large from Twitter. I sometimes tweet at you guys, but anyway, that's not the point. Point is, I have a question for you. I mean, and I think you guys called it out last week. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Nia is now the literally most powerful superhuman, metahuman superhero in the Arrow DC universe. Like, I don't even think, what's the point of having a crisis at this point? Just send in Nia, right? I mean, you know, the next time Lex takes over the world, just send in Nia. You got a backache? Send in Nia. Volcanic Dante's Peak situation? Send in Nia. Um, And for the record, I don't want anyone to try to get at me. I am not hating on Nia. I think she's a great character. I think she's, I like the actress a lot. I think she does a great job. But I just think she's, like you guys said, whatever situation needs remedying, uh, we're just going to take Dreamer's powers and make them what they are, what they need to be to solve the problem. You know, and I know it's like kind of, cheap-ish, lazy-ish way to solve things and when you're writing for TV and blah, blah, blah. I get it, I get it. But it's just a little funny that, you know, this, uh, you know, tiny, mild-mannered person ends up being the most popular person in the known universe. It's kind of crazy. So, overall, I would have to say I think I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, though. Uh, I definitely loved the... Lena twist at the end where she uses uh, Malefic's own power on him. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, even though it's like she's still on this moral ambiguity line of I'm not going to let you kill, but I'm still going to be evil and like use my jealous and angry heartbreak rage to take out my pissed off anger on my fembot best friend slash enemy slash former assassin, also assistant and also on anybody else that has wronged me. Uh, I don't know. Um, I do have one question, though. So if the Monitor is supposedly going to show up in a future episode of Supergirl, supposedly in Episode 7, what do you think he's going to do, or what plans do you think he'll set in motion to uh, put Kara in the place that he believes she needs to be for the crisis, as the way he's doing with Oliver and Barry in their respective shows? Because supposedly... I believe in an interview, LaMonica Garrett said that 
the monitor is trying to get these heroes in the right emotional and mental space for the upcoming crisis. And we really haven't seen that been reflected on Supergirl that much. So I'm just curious where you guys stand on what you think Kara is going to go through or needs to go through, should I say, uh, to get her prepared and or anybody else from the Supergirl show that may be included in crisis, which I hope uh, is everybody. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, let me know if you need a third for the next podcast. All right, ladies, have a good night. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Marisa here. Sorry for the late email. Had a busy day today. But anyways, awesome episode. And I'll get straight to the point. Um, do you guys think that Lena's going to be the big guy for the second half of Supergirl after crisis? Because I really can't see this all wrapped up in, like, four more episodes. Because I think we have four more episodes to the crisis crossover. So I don't know how we're going to deal with this. I'm just curious. But other than that, like the episode, um, it's kind of obvious who Ripsaw was. But that's how the CW is. I really don't mind it. I'm here for the joy and all that stuff. And yeah, well, until next time, um, adios and take care. Bye-bye. So we had a couple of questions, Morgan. Uh, one, uh, is Nia the most powerful character in the Arrowverse? Uh, and is she too powerful? So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't understand what her powers even are. I can't, <laughs> I can't even answer this one. Because uh, her powers are whatever the episode needs. So she could be incredibly power, powerful one episode and uh, have almost no powers whatsoever for the next episode. So the next question is, what does the Monitor have in store for Supergirl? Will he have plans for her during Crisis? Is he gonna uh, have to get Kara in the right headspace, as it were, for the crossover? Uh, Morgan, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I don't... Do you think he's... I mean, he might not even show up in Supergirl before the crossover, the way that it's going. I don't... I don't even know. It doesn't seem like, to me, that Supergirl is gonna have a real big part of crisis like i don't think she's gonna have a big role in crisis i think the supermen seem to be having more of a role in it so i don't even know if supergirl needs to be prepared for what's happening in crisis not at least not to the extent that barry and oliver do barry's possibly going to have to sacrifice his life and oliver may die so those characters seem to need a little bit more uh, pushing in terms of the the crisis aspect of it, I I wish that the monitor came and said, "Supergirl, you have a really important part of this crisis that's coming, and you need to be prepared." But it doesn't seem like that is the case. Yeah, I mean, I I keep hoping that she's going to be more important in crisis, but it does not seem like that is the way that it's going. At least in terms of the Supergirl episodes leading up to crisis, maybe she will have a big. Uh, role and and work to do in the actual crossover, but leading up to it, it doesn't seem like she needs to be prepared for anything. Um, and the last question we had from the voicemail section is, do we think Lena is going to be the big bad for the second half of the season? I don't know. I don't, I really, I can say, like, I genuinely don't know what they're doing with Lena. Um, I don't know if they're planning to make her sort of bad or if something's like you know something's gonna they're gonna zig when i expect them to zag and maybe i mean i'm still kind of hoping holding out for hope being the ultimate bad guy of the season i i think that she would make an amazing villain and also i i mean hope is really the mvp of the season so far i think making hope 
the villain would be awesome because it would sort of play into that how uh, in 2001 where the, the machines take over and, and become uh, sentient and make decisions for themselves. I think that would be really awesome. Uh, but at the same time, the fact that the character's name is Hope makes me think that by the end of the season, Hope will do something positive. Uh, and I have a feeling that Hope will have to maybe take Lena down. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go uh, go play itself out. But if Lena is trying to control people's minds, that's that's not a heroic thing to do. So she, yeah, it's not it's not very nice. Yeah, no. So that's that's a very villainous trait. So I think if they continue to put Lena on this path, then she could become the uh, the second half big bad. Uh, but I hope by the end of the season, I, I don't know if they're going to wrap up the Leviathan thing in the first half. That seems like a waste because part of part of the first half is going to be the crossover for five five episodes of um, the Arrowverse. We're going to get the crisis stuff. So I would hope that Leviathan wouldn't wrap up, you know, within a couple of episodes. I hope Leviathan stretches out over the course of the season. So I'm I'm hoping that that, that becomes more of a, a big bad uh, throughout the storyline of the season. Uh, but Lena's not uh, heading in a good place. So it's possible. So before we wrap up our feedment, we're gonna need we're gonna need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Uh, so we have one snap judgment, it looks like this week, from at Mark HBPWM, and he says, Lena stays irredeemably evil, or Lena turns good-ish because she gets hit in the head, or this is an evil clone or something, but she no longer knows Kara's secret, and we're back to secrets and lies. So this is a complicated snap judgment. So I guess the, uh, the two options are, Either Lena stays irredeemably evil, or we basically get back to a, a, a situation where Lena does not know that Kara is Supergirl. And if if we're going between those two choices, I'd rather Lena stay irredeemably evil. I think at this point, I don't want to go back to the secrets and lies. Yeah, I think I I, I think I have to agree. I, I I mean, I don't I don't want to be like, oh no, like. I sneezed and then like car uses her like super breath to like blow somebody across the room. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, I think that has had its day and now we're, we're past the point of no return on that. <laughs> no judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on dangerous liaisons. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. 
And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-8752. And if you can, uh, we typically try to record on Tuesdays. Uh, so definitely, if you want to send in some feedback, get uh, get all that in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That would help us out a lot. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. Uh, you can also find us on Supergirl. Uh, you can also find us on Radio Public and Podchaser and DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all the links to everything that I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DC TV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash. Andy and friends make quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. These ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit, for Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, Except maybe after the end of Season 5. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But... I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at TheDerbyKid. I am also a contributor to JLU Podcasts, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. You can also hear me do some voice acting on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And I am also creating content for the University of Alabama Museum. So if you want to check out the UAE Museum's YouTube channel, I just uh, finished a video on uh, what's... uh, So I just finished a video documenting a project that they've been doing in the Research and Collections Department where they are updating uh, a butterfly collection of specimen some butterfly specimen and those specimen date back to the uh like the 1940s so it's really old collection uh so it's really fascinating so if you want to learn more about butterfly collections uh definitely go and check that out because i i think it's a pretty cool project that's awesome um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We're recording a new episode soon. I promise. <laughs> any day now. Any day now. Any any day now. I I believe in us, and I think you guys do too. So <laughs> don't. Uh, as Journey once said, don't stop believing. <laughs> and, uh, and and you're going to get that fresh Legends content any day now. <laughs> uh, well, that will be something to look forward to. Uh, well, I think it's going to do it this uh, for this Supergirl Radio episode. I think we're, we're 
uh, going to wrap it up on Dangerous Liaisons. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, when the world is uncertain, there's one thing that's rock solid. It's the people who love you. Okay.